0: Hey, this is Jim Martin with Little Things First. Hey, hey Tracy. Hey, Jim. It's Tracy Vandiventer, Little Things First podcast. Sure is. And we're at my house today recording, and so if you hear little sounds of dogs around us, we have two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe a <laughs> <Licking> little, <Tracy laughs>
1: little toenails right on the floor. <laughs> That's just oh, the ambiance. We're just giving you a sense of home That's in right. your listening experience. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> so, who are we listening to? I mean, who are we talking to today, Tracy?
1: Today, we are going to talk about, to Debbie Drummond, who is a dear, dear friend, one of my best friends of all time. And actually, helped me um in my own journey identify, you know, really it's just little things that can make a big difference. And that's the whole point of our podcast. It's the whole background of everything that we've been talking about and doing. And the reason is because Debbie is retired and then she's been doing just a little part-time work uh supporting the state agency in providing coaching for schools that are looking for school improvement. Um, and as we, she and I, you know, get together for coffee or lunch or something, it comes up where we are talking about what are the strategies, what's the experiences, what are the different things that uh, schools are doing and having success with. So in the end, Debbie and I would talk and we'd be like, oh, it's really, it's just the little things. And uh, and I'm so grateful for Debbie for that time and conversations and uh, <laughs> sorry uh, every <laughs> finger I have has just been licked
0: <laughs> you <laughs> I'm must try- have eaten some trying- delicious like earlier
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to maintain my cool but I, the last finger it's hard to like- <laughs> stay focused
0: when you're being licked
1: it was the last <laughs> finger that tipped me over the edge okay
0: enough of that so well, i can't wait to talk to debbie then it sounds like she's got a lot to offer she
1: does have a lot to offer and i um i feel so grateful to have her as a friend and a knowledge partner right as a as a person who i don't know she's got great ideas so let's call and see if she's available now here we go always a good sign when it rings hello hi tracy hi debbie how are you
0: i'm good how are you good can you hear us okay i can hi debbie this is jim martin
2: hi jim how are you today
0: good nice to meet you
2: well i saw a, a call came with your name earlier and i didn't know your name and i
0: and leave a message, so I blocked you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, now you'll just have to unblock me.
2: Yes, I will. I'm of the age where I get so many, like, you know, stupid senior calls. So
1: anyway, I should be talking about the woes of a retiree. Yes. Well, Debbie, we would love to talk to you about your work uh, in A2A um, I just actually talked a little bit about how you and I sometimes will get together and have coffee or lunch or something, and we'll get to talking about the different work that schools are uh-huh. doing and the coaching that you've been doing in helping schools grow. And so if we could, we'd love to start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself and your background, and then jump into the A2A program. What's A2A? Oh, a, a tra-
2: Assessment to Achievement Oh, what okay, great. for. Okay. Well, uh, I am from Springfield, Missouri, originally, and when I, I I went to, I got my degree in English and Spanish and a teaching certificate back at Missouri State University, and then fell into a job at a little two a size town nearby where I taught um, like. Functional English and Spanish and four different English courses. Plus, I was girls' tennis coach and a track coach and cheerleader coach. And everything has been easier since then. (laughs) (laughs) That's true for so So, many of us, right? Those first years are hard. uh, But it was—I was much younger, and I just—I still remember those kids and those teachers. And I will say, and we can talk more about that later. I. You know, I went in to be a teacher, and I had teacher education courses that I don't really think really prepared me for what it meant to be a teacher, so I tended I, I, I think I just taught the way I was taught, mm-hmm. which uh, wasn't always the best thing. Uh, uh, following that, I decided to get a my master's degree and, and came out west to... Um, Brigham Young University and got my master's degree in uh, English um, and fell in again I I taught graduate courses I taught English 115 which is freshman composition for two years there and then got an opportunity to go to Tempe High School to teach English and I was there for a lovely 30 years (laughs) and I Toward the end of my career, I took my last three years at uh, Provo School District where I was an instructional coach. And I will say, my years at KempU as a teacher leader and a department chair, and then being in Provo School District office, I was given, I was gifted with so many professional learning opportunities. So if there is an expert in a field in either instruction, like Jim Knight or um, language arts, I have been to that professional development probably (laughs) several times. So upon my retirement, uh, I was contacted by some acquaintances of mine in the assessment at Utah State Board of Education to be a um, part-time instructional coach. Uh, They were embarking on a collaboration with um, Ed direction uh, called assessment to achievement. So I kind of rolled my eyes because I've been to everything and okay, but uh, I, I enjoyed the the people that I worked with and what I really uh, and that's how I became involved with Ed Direction and I found it to be um, for fulfilling for me as a coach and also really effective for most teachers and schools that I worked with. Yeah. That's and, my story. <laughs> and, and,
1: you know, I, I know that when you and I have had a chance to talk, we have, we have just sort of recognized that it seems to be a really good model on supporting schools. So you, you, it's not just like a one-and-done thing, right? You don't have like yeah, a go in the summer and then the go forth and prosper kind of thing. So how, how does that follow-up look?
2: follow-up is there's uh, professional learning. It's a four-year program and uh, there's, you know, honestly, and and, uh, Ed Direction will say, there's nothing new in this program that's like not in other things, but it kind of puts together a whole model that is there's professional learning and your coach is right there with the team, learning with the team, and then there are site visits where we visit the school at least three times and work uh, with both the I should back up and say that this is a whole district kind of thing because there's a district team and there's a school leadership team and it, uh, we don't work with the, what you would call a PLC which is the individual you know, classroom teams. We work with the district teams and the school teams so when we go to the schools uh, we go to the districts. We visit with the district team. We attend one of their meetings. We provide feedback. We visit a school team and provide uh, and attend their meetings and provide feedback plus there are two, three additional professional learnings held throughout um, the school year. And this goes on for four years. And the idea is to, to have the districts run these and um, you know more than just outside people coming in, so it's a handoff to that.
0: So you said that it was nothing new. What are the components that are wrapped up in the um in the assessment to achievement program or protocol? Like, what are you know if you were talking about little things, what are the little things that are emphasized in assessment to achievement?
2: Okay, the, the, the nothing new but the little things would be the focus because the focus uh, would be on um, effective needed, uh data-driven effective meeting practices. Mm-hmm. And those have to have, they have to, uh, I mean, if you look at the elements of those, those need to be really intentional with objectives and agenda and protocols to manage time and norms. They have to be data-driven, where they look at. Uh, they've uh, kind of narrowed down the type of data they're looking at, and they, when they meet and talk about that, and they consider the data before, as they are in this meeting, before jumping to conclusions. They have protocols for that. Action-oriented. They have to have a follow-up, and um, and all the actions should be for improving students outcomes through teacher actions so the instructional part and then they have to be reflective so having a data-driven meeting is not new that is you know but it's it's the agenda and the protocols and the focus on teacher actions because I think we all know that we can look at data all the time but if uh, if it doesn't change your alter instruction it doesn't help anything yeah, and
1: what so, you said, I loved when you said improving student outcomes through teacher action, right? You know, making that, that direct connection. Go ahead.
2: It's all the support of, of, of district-wide and then the school te- uh, leadership of supporting teacher actions uh, and efforts and providing them with what they need. And this is student outcomes. Support student outcomes through that. You know, when you're talking
1: about it, sometimes I think we say, well, you know, duh, of Mm. course, right? Mm. That's why we actually hire these people called teachers is so that we can have improved student, you know, results. And I know that everybody who shows up in a school is working their tail off. So when you get down maybe more into that granular level, because I assume you've had schools that maybe haven't had as much success as other schools, right? Right. Yeah. So so um, when you're getting down into that level of the teacher action, is there is there anything that you've noticed about the patterns of work either from the district or the school level or even at the teacher level that has been kind of that pivot point between, yep, this is this has resulted in student growth or nope, we just haven't gotten as much traction as we, we wish
2: i uh, you know, there's so many things about buy-in that I could go into, but basically, what I've seen is it does really make a difference about how your district leadership feels about it, and even and so important your um, director or your principal of your school, what he or she um, believes that what can be done to affect student outcomes. And it really does, in my looking at this, be basically holding uh, very effective meeting practices, also focusing maybe a common learning challenge or uh, focusing on one like evidence-based instructional practice. And uh, we tend to use the John Hattie mm-hmm. uh, model with that. And it's the follow-through, it's the feedback, and just this, just feedback, and not overwhelming that but when you just pick one crucial, small thing that has a big effect. Mm-hmm. So and if you go back to... That's what Go ahead. That's what seems to work the best. So if... For example, it's all rolling along, and a new principal comes in and just thinks, "Well, I don't want to do these protocols, or I don't want to." You know, you can that can just disappear in a year.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The importance of leadership, as Tracy and I have been discussing, right, right, it's
2: so important. And I think, and and what I do like about uh, assessment to achievement, it's uh, not here, teachers, you need to do all these things. It's like from it's, it's leadership as well, and it's it's working on a model that no matter, um, you know, teachers come and go in the systems, you know, so much, that no matter who comes in, it becomes the culture of the school mm-hmm. and the culture of the district.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, so if a, a new leader comes in, then maybe the teachers have taken so much ownership over it that they would say, this is kind of what we do here and we really mm-hmm. need this to continue because we, because we've seen the value of it
2: now it's uh, as I said it's not it's not a new thing but focusing on the few things that really make a difference in uh, student outcomes and the student outcomes are often dependent upon of course what's going on in the classroom
1: yeah well and what I really liked when you were talking, you were just saying that follow-through and that feedback on the one important thing. So I had two questions then. One of them is, how does the school sort of decide what that one important thing is? If they're going to really have kind of a narrow focus, and you you made mm-hmm. reference to Hattie's work, but what would that, how, how does a group come to that? Or how does a school or even a district come up with that? Do they sometimes have school-wide or is it, you know? Mm-hmm. What,
2: Okay, so when when we meet in the summer, we have the we, we have the schools uh, pick, and these are the school teams. Uh, the we have the schools look at uh, some of their data and pick like a common learning challenge, or it could be in English or math, but it's something that uh, school wide. Uh, People can focus on, and uh, I've worked with both. I know if someone listening to say, Well, that's great for elementary teachers, but what does secondary do? Uh-huh. I've seen, <laughs> uh, I just uh, talking about uh, providing uh, supporting any sort of claim with an argument. I mean, excuse me, any argument with a specific detail or supporting evidence is almost a school-wide thing, but I yeah. this works in secondary as well. But um, it's it's doing that, and uh, we can look at summative data, but uh, as we know, we um, haven't had really clear summative data in the state of Utah for last year didn't work out, and we don't know about this year mm-hmm. for the summative. But I can tell you as a classroom teacher in my area, I know there's a couple of standards, or at least one standard that always needs to be focused on every year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, mm-hmm. and it has to be a high leverage standard, mm-hmm. not punctuation.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, not
2: silent reading. It's got to be a high <laughs> leverage
1: standard. Not punctuation. Not silent reading. <laughs> not,
2: not doing a creative writing. It's a, <laughs> it's a high leverage standard that uh, that work school wide and and then most studies I've ever read and this again this is nothing new that if there's some sort of common challenge or something that all are working on or thinking about and um, that affects the school so positively mm-hmm. so we do that and then we also we usually will start out the first year for everyone teacher clarity which uh, i some call, call um, Learning targets," mm-hmm. and and um, so we do that. So teacher clarity, and we look for that. And there's lots of um, uh, professional learning about that. And I think I think teacher clarity, and for those who don't know what that is, it's you know, uh, it, it's what is a, a student supposed to know and be able to do as a result of this lesson with the rationale and also examples of what it looks like or doesn't look like.
0: It's kind of got those three parts. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you have any schools that are, are starting A2A this year?
2: Yes, we have, uh, we have uh, so some charters, a couple of additional schools in down in San Juan district and then some schools in Granite school district. So we have a, uh, we're beginning the second year of schools that we worked with uh, last year, and then we started and had the the new ones. And with the pandemic, uh, we, we had a different summer professional learning in that we spent the summer uh, working on uh, the summer professional learning session working on um, collaboration as, and how to use digital tools mm. Uh, effectively, with the idea that not only the teachers need to do that to communicate with each other, and but also how to how teachers could use these digital tools, uh, if if it's all if for online learning, so we can focus on that.
0: And how did they? How did those schools make determinations about their focus standard as a school without? data from well, we, because of COVID.
2: That we we usually do that one in the summer. Uh we postpone that one. This is gonna be in September, uh with the um the focus challenge. So we're gonna we had to make some adjustments based where schools were uh let's say had a lot on their plate. Yeah. No, so <laughs> so uh we're doing that and, and I I failed to mention that there's always a spring data reflection that we do where they look at what their goal was and follow through with that and see where they
0: mm-hmm. need to go next year. So mm-hmm. what data are they using then if if um if they can't use RISE, formative or, year, or unit. Year tests, testing?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we need to it sometimes we need to remind teachers or about the different kinds of data that's available, which would be some things. We had things in my school district. There's sometimes school things. There's formative data. There's interim data. Even just looking at uh, previous summative data, even though it's not your specific kids, will give you an idea of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trends. And I'm not as familiar with all of the I know that in elementary they have all sorts of reading. There's dibbles and there's all sorts of different kinds of things that, that, that they do. There's lots of, I think, I think there's almost like, I wouldn't say too much data out there. It, it, it just throws people off. You just need to like, again, pick something that is high leverage yeah. and just work on it.
1: Yeah, and that goes back to what you said earlier, right? You, you have one thing that you know is going to have a big impact. We focus on it we get clear on it, we have follow-up on that, we have some feedback on that, and then we sort of stay true, right, to that goal. Yeah. So if, if it's a like a three or four-year program, then uh-huh. do you do they adjust those kind of high leverage activities or focus areas, or do they sort of maintain through the four years the same one that they picked the first year?
2: Oh, They they get choice. I mean, the first year we asked them to, we'll ask them then this cohort, uh, as opposed to last year where we did this in the summer, we'll ask them in September uh, uh, to think of, a, to work on a common learning challenge. And then uh, by the second year, we ask them to, they're free to pick their own or different departments, mm-hmm. especially secondary. Can each PLC or something like can pick their own we give them uh, they might have a different need they might have uh, they might want to refocus on teacher clarity Uh, we try to model what we're asking them to do with getting feedback from them and then adjusting our um, learning based on the feedback Mm -hmm. and the data Mm -hmm. and so it, it switches by year and then we there's some high leverage um, evidence-based instructional strategies such as questioning and feedback and metacognition that we always tried to hit. Mm-hmm. And some schools in the past had chosen; they make their own decision to ch- stay with questioning for two years, mm-hmm. or or move on to metacognition. You know, they, they're all interrelated anyway. Right. Uh, metacognition, so they do get choice even on what we will look for when we come to visit
0: their schools. Debbie, um, I have a question about focus because um, I've been part of schools where we've said, okay, so this year we're just going to pay attention to language arts, or this year we're only going to pay attention to math, or maybe we're going to focus on questioning or teacher clarity. And... Um. um, uh, Without fail, there's always, I mean, there's just so many things happening in schools coming from so many different directions, and so maintaining that focus becomes really, Mm -hmm. really hard. How do you, as A2A, um, really encourage schools to stay with that focus and not become inundated with all of the other things that come up? That's a
2: good question, and it's always something that comes up, too, because there's uh, so many Projects and referendums and things that are hitting teachers all the time. I, I, it's just uh, it's it's just asking them, for example, to in their lesson planning to to write in in advance, you know, the two or three really significant questions if if, if that's what we're working on Mm -hmm. that they need to bring up in their lesson in order to be sure that what they've instructed is being grasped by the students. So we, we really do preach, and less is more all the time, but the, uh, sometimes teachers have a hard time following that, trying to, uh, trying to do too many things. So it's, it's our focus on here. We're, we're coming and we're looking And your meeting practices that you have, uh, you've got data, you have an agenda, you have a protocol. It's kind of very specific. And then uh, we don't go into the classrooms to look at their teacher practices. Um, You know, we will if asked, but the school team, we want, you know, ideally down the road the the teachers to observe one another and give feedback to one another. Mm -hmm. So I took a long time to answer that one, but I think it's just a constant reminder that this is nothing new. It's just sharpening something that you have to do in the classroom anyway.
0: And I love that. Oh, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I love that idea. (laughs) No, that's okay. I just love that idea that you had of, you know, okay, well, while you're doing lesson plans, uh, make sure that you're coming up with two questions that you want to, make sure you prioritize in the lesson. Um, I think that's a great way of maintaining that focus. So you're still planning for math and language arts and all the other things that yeah. you have to uh-huh. do, but you're keeping questioning at the forefront if that's your focus. Yeah. I like that.
1: And I really like that. I think you you mentioned that for teachers that it's hard for them sometimes to maintain that focus. And I just want to elevate that to that school team and leadership team at the district because I think that there are so many times that there's... a there's demands pushed down that that I think we uh-huh. need to be cognizant that if we're going to make significant behavioral change that results uh-huh. in student learning, we can't take on a whole bunch of new things, right? Right, Because we can't get really good at all those things at one time. and uh, And we need to make sure we have support from the school team and the district team, which is one of the reasons I like what you've told me about the model is kind of everybody has to buy in, right? It's Cause you need that it does. support. Yeah. Yeah. W- one last question I have, um, and then we'll go to our tie up question. But the, the last yeah. question is just, if people are listening to it, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I want that. I want that. So, you know, how, how would schools be able to be involved and who's paying for it? How's that, how does that happen? Uh, well,
2: the, the, State of Utah. Well, Utah State Board of Education is uh, providing the professional development, and uh, substitutes are needed, uh, reimbursing that, also stipends for if you travel over fifty miles one way. That's not going on right now, right? (laughs) But that's true. So it's a state-sponsored. professional learning and generally uh, I'm not in on all the nitty-gritty parts of this but uh, an email or some kind of notice is sent out even statewide about this that usually goes to the district or principals and, and they decide from there. It's nothing that anyone is, it's, this is not anything anyone is forced into doing. It's totally... Uh, an optional kind of professional one, paid for by the state. So,
1: any school that chose to or wanted to, as long as they had some district buy-in to support them, then they could sign up for it.
2: Uh, and, and I'm sure there's some uh, parameters on that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, lots of times, uh, I, 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 at one, I know that this was originally sort of set up to kind of hit those schools that weren't receiving. A lot of support, either through Title I funding or other kinds of funds that would come into mm-hmm. them to help them, but it would help those that were um, maybe just not showing the kind of improvement that
1: was possible
2: their school sure
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. perfect,
0: yeah, so the last question that we always ask our guests is. Um, if you could go back in a time machine and talk to a younger self, what would you say to your younger self?
2: Well, I would say, "Don't teach the way you were taught." <laughs> <laughs> <Right>?
0: <laughs> and uh,
2: I would say, uh, even though when I started, there was no such thing as uh, we. I, 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 I honestly worked my almost my entire career in isolation. Hmm. And I would say that stop just focusing on, I would say, I would I would teach myself about learning targets, and I'd put those up on the board every day or say that uh, to my students instead of just listing on the board the things that we were going to do that day. Mm-hmm. The task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really task-oriented and... Uh, with the idea that we do these tasks and therefore we would learn these things. So I would say try to get a group together of other teachers to talk about what they're doing and don't be so
0: alone. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, good advice. Which sounds
0: like it's the spirit of A2A, really um, building that uh, collaborative strength in a building and uh, ability to uh problem solve together and and to have that translate to action eventually. Yeah.
2: Yes, it's all about collective efficacy, which is I truly truly believe in.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, we really appreciate you taking time out of your Saturday to visit with us and help us, you know, just collect thoughts. And uh, again, I just started off the conversation earlier, right before we called to just say uh, my conversations with you have really helped shape some of my understanding about it doesn't have to be giant sweeping reform. It doesn't have to be, you know, like a list of 20 things that have to happen in order for schools to experience success. And, and that's really helped me grow. So
0: I want to thank you for that and, and all the ways that you've helped oh, me grow. Oh, you're awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Debbie. It was really nice chatting with you today. Talking with you was great. Thanks. All Thanks, right. Debbie. All right, Take we'll care. talk to you later. <laughs> bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye.